Well, yeah, it's been a crazy journey. If you went back to me back in, in high school with my little tutoring business and said, hey, one day you're going to be the CEO of a company on the other side of the world. It's going to be 500 people. Never would have guessed, but you know that's the the interesting aspect of the entrepreneurial journey. You know, you never know where where the path will you know will take you. Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. I'm Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant, and my mission is to help the world's top CEOs and entrepreneurs shift from incremental to exponential progress and create a huge positive impact on our world. Now that requires you to reinvent yourself and transform your business. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Brad, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here today. Thanks, Richard. Super excited here. It's an early morning here in Atlanta, but uh, excited to uh, kick it off with a couple cups of coffee and talk the topics. Yeah, well, let's do this. So, what I know about you is that you've built your 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 business, Outsource Access, uh, amongst other things, with impact at the heart. Uh, you're a real leaders impact award winner. I know you've orientated your business around the UN Sustainable Development Goals, uh, and I also know that you're a you're a serial entrepreneur. You've built businesses since you were practically, you know, in the cradle, from what I understand. So, uh, when did purpose and impact become front and center to how you wanted to build businesses? And what was the pivotal moment, perhaps, where you decided, yeah, this is important? Sure. Um, well, thanks again for having me and, and uh, love to speak on this topic. And I think you see a lot of entrepreneurs kind of wanting to pursue more of this path and looking for a direction. Hopefully some of our conversation here will, will help uh, them find that path. Uh, yeah, and for me, you know, it, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, had a whiteboard hanging over the, the, the fireplace growing up. So there was always ideas flying around. So I kind of was a uh, was uh, engaged in it early on and had a, yeah, had a toy rental business in third grade and a tutoring company in, in high school. Actually came over your direction in the UK in high school. We actually had a, a business where we did partner with a, with a company in London in the UK to, uh, to trade, trade products back and forth. But I, I mean, I would say purpose and impact. It's, it's, I mean, part of it, I was just brought up around it in, in, in my family and kind of giving back and having an impact in the community was you know something that I always saw kind of around me and in my family. And, um, and I'd say maybe the, one of the first specific initiatives that we did, um, I did around as a young entrepreneur, um, was uh, around breast cancer. And um, and so a, a buddy of mine, we we enjoy skeet shooting, um, you know, shooting you know clays, and and also enjoy good barbecue. And so he and I uh, just had a had a connection with a local um, organization in our city uh, that helped provide prosthetics uh, for women that were going through uh, breast cancer and different elements um, related to the disease. It's just significant and, and a big issue that a lot of women navigate. And, um, and so we ended up, you know, taking this annual event we were doing and turned this big skeet shooting event into a major fundraising effort, um, for, for breast cancer. We did for five years, uh, in a row. And it was just, I think that was a, a first thing that, that I did. I mean, I was, I was a growing entrepreneur and we can talk about that kind of where all that started after, after college and began my first company, but it was in my twenties, you know, I had an opportunity to do that. And, um, and so it just really, was really impactful in seeing the impact we were making for that organization and being able to give that check to that woman and all of our friends and our community rallying around that initiative um, to raise money. And so they would come and be an all day barbecue and skeet shooting event and so forth. We were raising funds. So I can speak more to how it kind of translated, but I would say that's one of the big first initiatives I personally took on with a good buddy of mine, Kyle, kind of early on and saw the taste of it and wanted to kind of find more ways to, to drive that forward. Okay. So what I'm hearing is you just kind of got started, there was some initiative, some opportunity you were able to get involved with, and you just got the, the bug because of that. It felt good. You were getting support from people. 
kind of wanted to double down on that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, I think I had a, had a family that it was it was always top of mind within our within our family of of doing and having, you know, efforts to give back in the in the community and to support. And um, and yeah, this is the first initiative that I, I was able to personally take on, you know, with with my friend Kyle to actually put on, develop, and see it kind of start to finish and see the impact. And to really see a whole community rally around that common topic and wanting to help support. Um, so, so, yeah, it was a great kind of kicking off point that led to a lot of other things. Well, let me go back a bit, because simply as you did those early businesses, I guess what I'm trying to dig into is, did you always have that same intentionality around purpose and making an impact? Because I can kind of get it when you're younger, one, you might say, I just need to make some money at this point. Was that the focus or were you always trying to weave this in from day one? Or is it something which has been evolving in your own consciousness over the last few years? Well, I'd say they go, I mean, I look back at it and go hand in hand. I mean, I, I'd have to say my, my, my first business technically was third, fourth grade, um, where <laughs> I was born in 1979. And one of the toys were uh, called Micro Machines, these little tiny toys and cars. And, um, and so I would always ask for them for Christmas and birthdays and so forth and amassed a collection of hundreds of, of them. And, and for... For the audience knows, you know, a crown royal that come in the little purple velvet bags. For some reason, my parents enjoyed that beverage. So they had some extra ones sitting around. So that's what I put all of my toys in. I would carry them into third, fourth grade and rent, rent them to my friends. And I actually still have a, the, 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 the whole uh, playbook that I ran. I had a VP of marketing, a VP of sales. I had a, a newsletter I did out on a typewriter. So I wouldn't say there was quite as much purpose and impact related to that initiative. That was sort of just uh, generating. I think I was making a penny a night that we would rent them out to people. But I'd that was my my first kind of uh, initiative, but but I in, enjoyed the the sense of involving others. I mean, literally, my, my best friend, I remember her name, Win, Winter Hawkins, was my VP of marketing, you know, VP of sales in third, fourth grade. And I enjoyed the camaraderie of building and growing together. But then when I got into high school, um, one of the ways I, 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 my second business, I guess, um, the way I would kind of make money during the summers was very, I guess, tied to impact as well as I would I would go to all the middle school counselors and say, hey, which children, you know, are struggling with with math, um, either need to have tutoring or, or ones that are, you know, they're trying to maybe skip, you know, a level. And then I would go to all my teachers and say, hey, can you give me all your workbooks and, and worksheets and so forth? And so I started a tutoring business um, where I would help and support those kids um, and work with them through the summers uh, to help them get you know, get up to speed or to kind of be able to progress as they stepped into the, to the next year. And I loved that. I mean, I loved, and I, I've always had a passion for education. I ended up, I ended up marrying a, a, a teacher who was a teacher for 13 years as well, but just working with youth and, and children. And that, that translates into a lot of things I'm doing still as well. So there was, it was a, a for-profit entity, my, my, my tutoring little business there during the summers, but it was also um, an opportunity of making impact on these young kids and, and helping them navigate through. And you see in their eyes that they connect or you can share with them an idea or perspective differently that they hadn't seen before. You know, it was pretty, you know, pretty rewarding. Beautiful. So let's fast forward uh, to uh, Outsource Access, which is a virtual offshore virtual services firm that I know you set up uh, probably five or six years ago now, if, if, if I remember correctly. I believe if you scaled it during the middle of COVID, whatever, to 500, uh, 500 employees, and the way you want to go is get it to, I think you said, 40,000 employees in 10 years. So kind of what I'm interested about is why is that goal so important to you, right? What, why, is, why is getting to 40,000 employees? I think you want to double it this year to 1,000. So why is that kind of growth in employee uh, headcount so important? Sure. Well, yeah, it's been a crazy journey. If you went back to me back in, in high school with my little tutoring business and said, hey, one day you're going to be the CEO of a company on the other side of the world. It's going to be 500 people. Never would have guessed, but you know that's the the interesting aspect of the entrepreneurial journey. You know, you never know where where the path will you know will take you. And so, yeah, this current company, Outsource Access, um, 
you know, to tie to sort of what my goal and objective is kind of is tied back to sort of the you know, brief beginnings of it and, and to briefly share, you know, I, before I started this company, my last business, we, we manufactured and distributed teeth whitening products all over the world. And we have had, ended up having a product disaster happen. One of our products that we had done thousands of units, one of our manufacturers changed a component and we ended up sending about 10,000 kind of defective products all over the world and cash got tight, things got lean. And I had to learn about this whole offshore outsourcing gig economy world to really help save the business. And so um, in that journey, I ended up getting educated about it and learning about working with these resources and individuals. And um, in the process, I ended up you know, working with this young woman named Jacelle over in the Philippines and uh, 22, 23 years old and grew up in a you know, small, just very humble village. Um, and, uh, and I found her on this job board and started working with her. And I just had all my doubt, fears and concerns about it. And, um, and the young woman just blew me away. I mean, she came from such humble beginnings. I mean, she did have a you know college degree, um, but just in a very small town, literally dirt floors, and just saw her ability to support me. And here I was, a small to medium business owner in the United States, trying to grow and make my business work. And I was able to get an affordable resource. And then she was making more money she'd ever made before by what I was paying her. So it was kind of this win-win experience. And I was like, wow, did I, did I get a unique situation here? And then I hired a second and a third. And I found that you know, if you treat people well and you create a career path and opportunity, um, you know, for them that it, you know, it can be replicated. And so, um, and so funny enough, that young woman who we started with, I mean, the business is, is four years old as of a couple months ago, and we've grown to 500 employees in four years. And that young woman who is 22, 23 is, is now my COO president of the entire organization. So I, I share all that in that seeing the, the career path and opportunities created for her. I mean, went to, actually, I mean, she actually just, you know, got married not too long ago, was able to build a home, uh, build a home from scratch, which is kind of unheard of in a lot of times, you know, and actually bought an investment property. And we've seen that with other employees that we've ended up hiring. I got a picture from one of our managers that, you know, showed a picture of a car. And he was actually buy, able to, now he didn't buy one for himself. And this is how humble and forward thinking the Filipinos are. He bought a car for his parents. And he said, you know, this is the first time I'm, you know, any, any me or any of my friends have been able to kind of do this. So seeing that journey in, in about two months after I started working with JCL in the very beginning, um, she sent me a picture um, of this village and these young children with a set of shoes in a circle. And she said, Brad, I just want you to know because of the money I'm making with you <clears throat> in the opportunity, I'm able to go buy all these shoes for these children who have to go walk, you know, an, an hour and a half back and forth to school every single day. And it just, for me, it just connected the dots and it was just a win, 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 win for, for me, for her. And then she was even put, you know, giving back into her community. And I said, Jess, I don't know where this whole business is going to go. And at that point we had three or four people, but I want to create something, you know, harking back to sort of my give back things that I did with the breast cancer initiative and so forth is how can we weave that into this business? I don't know where we're going to grow this business, JCL, but I want to do something around that. And so we ended up making that a big part of our initiative going forward is investing in the community. And at about the same time, I got a chance to do a think tank at the uh, headquarters of the United Nations. So I'm a part of a group called Entrepreneurs Organization and brought about 200 entrepreneurs to the headquarters of the United Nations to understand about the sustainable development goals, which I didn't even know anything about before beginning this process. And just realized it was a framework, these 17 sustainable development goals that touch everything related to our planet and humanity. Um, that creates a framework of how you can have purpose and impact. So um, took that framework, brought it back to our team. And, uh, and I said, hey, as we grow, so we hired a full-time person. So every quarter we interview our employees and ask them, what do they care most about? Um, actually, my last trip to the Philippines, you know, they chose life on land. So we went and planted over 150 trees together um, to offset carbon emissions. So it was weaving in a for-profit business of what we're doing, but also giving back in the community. And when I got a chance to go there recently, and I interviewed probably 20 or 25 of our employees and just asked about their life, their journey, what brought them to us. 
and just hearing the incredible stories, life-changing stories of these individuals. That's why this is the most passionate I've ever been of anything I've done as an entrepreneur. So to go back to your original question, why that goal is because it is a massive, to your point, a multiplier. When we, when we provide a job for one of, one of our Filipino staff, because we hire them as full-time employees, so we pay their health insurance, pay their benefits, it's providing support for their families. It impacts them, it impacts their children, it impacts you know, everybody in their ecosystem. And then for our clients, you know, I mean, small to medium businesses, you know, a lot of people think this is about, you know, shipping jobs overseas. In reality, you got a, a, a business that's growing, you know, maybe they can't even afford a, a, an employee locally. So that owner ends up burning out, wearing and working 80, 90 hours a week and so forth. Well, we create a release valve of a, a more affordable option for them that still equally is, is competent that they can support them in that journey. So we're, we're seeing big wins on the client side and and then on the employee side, um, seeing the impact it's making for them. So we get to 40,000 people. That's a lot of multiplication. Yeah, amazing. I love this, uh, this point you said that you, every quarter you would actually survey your staff uh, and ask them what do they care about. And so what I heard is you then turn that into an initiative. You actually turn that into something that you can do to make a difference in the community or in the world. So tell us a bit about that. Like, what gave you that idea? Um, because you know, you're building a business, this new business with just a couple of people to start with. It might not be the first thing on your mind to do that kind of thing, right? Your first thing might be, well, I need to get to scale. I need to get to a certain run rate. I need to kind of stabilize the cash flow. So was this something that came immediately early on? You know, why did you decide or when did you decide, you know what, this is something I really want to build in to the way that we built this culture? Well, to be honest, it was it was from the very beginning. I mean, as I shared, you know, two months after I first started working with JCL way back a number of years ago, back before we even launched Outsource Access, and I was just doing a lot of speaking and consulting. And that's a lot of what I've done is just bringing this message to, you know, the, the small to medium business community in the US and, and beyond is, you know, two months after hiring her, and I saw she shared with me that those, those shoes she bought for those children and so forth. And I said, you know, we, and so we started immediately building that into our business. And so I said, hey, how can we do this at a larger scale? Um, and this is before I even did the United Nations stuff. When I saw her do that, I said, how can we do this shoe buying initiative at a much larger scale? And so we ended up going um, to another local village. And it was so far away, actually, we had the children actually put their feet down on paper and draw their feet. So we knew their shoe, their feet sizes. And then our team, and we went ahead and funded. I said, we're going to allocate funds from the very beginning. That we're just we're just going to invest in the, in, in the community. And so we ended up buying, you know, tons of really nice, nice sneaker shoes. And we bought um, these journals. Um, uh, as well, um, about putting together their, their hopes and dreams kind of going forward. Um, so it was something we did early on. And then after that, I got a chance to do the United Nations initiative, which then created a framework. So we were already doing initiatives early on and, and we were, we were investing in the community in different capacities. You know, we bought shoes and educational supplies for these young uh, people in the village. I actually have a documentary video I can share with the audience around. It's kind of cool. That kind of shows my whole journey when we went over there, the, um, back in 2019, but, you know, in the Philippines, they, they tend to have some, they have some typhoons, they have some earthquakes. And so a, an earthquake hit about eight hours south of where our offices are. And our team dedicated all of our effort. We put together a thousand sanitary kits and drove our team in, in their own vehicles, drove eight hours south uh, to give out and provide sanitary kits. So it just became a fabric of what we did um, just because it's the, it's the right thing to do. And, um, and, and our employees, I want them to see, you know, a lot of people in these countries that, that provide offshore outsourcing services, you know, unfortunately, a lot of companies in some cases don't pay them really well, don't treat them really well, and they don't they don't show how much they appreciate their local community. And so it was important for me, for our employees to see that, hey, you know, we're, we're not you know taking advantage. You know, we're, we're actually wanting to double down and invest in in your local community. 
And so I got a chance to do the United Nations initiative. I'm like, okay, well, here's a framework that we can bring to even do this even more, you know, even a more structured way. And then JCL and I got together and I said, hey, can we hire a full-time consultant? Because I want to, I want to get our employees even more directly involved. We were kind of choosing different things we wanted to do and that the kind of came up. But I said, I want to intentionally survey our employees to ask them and say, hey, here's what the sustainable development goals are. Here's the 17 categories. What do you care most about? Now, you know, not my personal passion project or what I care about or JCL cares about, but what do all of you care about? Um, and would have them evaluate and, and submit. And so she would help collate all those results. And then we would then choose a major project based on that. Um, and so zero hunger is one of the sustainable development goals. So during COVID, that was one of the things that was chosen. And so we did, we participate in an initiative called Bags of Hope, where we bought uh, bags of rice and so forth for the trike drivers uh, that were really impacted during, during COVID um, in the Philippines. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, life on land was one that uh, it was very important. It's very important to Filipinos in terms of their, their land and the beauty, the beautiful country that they have. And so we've planted, I think now on the last trip, we did a bunch. And then I think over, we've done over three or 400 trees that we planted in the mangroves to offset carbon emissions. So, so that's where it started. Our very first relationship, she showing me that picture and seeing that she cared and, and it was important to her. And it's always been important to me and it gave us a framework. So we started doing grassroots work, learned the United Nations, learned the framework, came back. And now every single quarter, it's something that we do. And our, and our staff volunteer their time uh, to go out and do these, you know, do these initiatives. So if we turn our attention to the business side for a second, uh, obviously to, to do these initiatives, you need this critical mass. You know, you've got these hundreds of employees now. And I think you said that scaling at the start was quite a challenge, right? I think it was COVID was hitting and, and so forth as you were going through this. So what was the secret to growth to get to 500 employees, you know, in, in three and a bit years? doing it during the pandemic and everything else you know how did you actually go about to multiply the reach of the business at that point sure um and yeah it was an interesting we we launched in you know in 2000 2019 and then the pandemic obviously came the first part of you know 2020 so i'll speak to both two parts one part is you know we have to get more clients and businesses that want to engage our services but then on the other side of it, we have to get more virtual assistants out of the philippines that want to work for us so we kind of have to have two we have two customers really that we're serving because uh, we hire them as full-time employees and bring them together and then manage and manage the whole experience as far as the the business side you know very similar to what you know you're doing here with this podcast and education is i just I just did tons and tons of education about this world. You know, a lot of people had read, you know, Tim Ferriss' four-hour work week back, you know, 10, 15 plus years ago. This that touched on this concept of you can work with these resource, you know, individuals in, in, in other parts of the world, and it's very cost-effective and creative things. But it was more like this novelty concept versus a a fundamental way that truly, you know, a concrete manufacturing business in, in Iowa can actually use somebody in the Philippines to to do their project management coordination, um, if if need be. Or you know, a, a marketing agency in you know LA could use you know three Filipinos um, to actually do project management coordination. So the, the small to medium business market, I mean, large companies have been doing this for years. You know, the, and, and most people when they think of offshore and outsourcing, first of all, they group all of Southeast Asia together, right? Um, which it's, there's different elements there, India and others that people have had different experiences. Which which unique about the Philippines, which I did a lot of education on in my speaking, is is that you know the U.S. controlled it, you know, up until you know, around 1947, 1950 or so. So it's completely Americanized, completely English speaking, and, and there's not a, the, the culture gap. If someone's going to work side by side in your in your business, and, that, and that's what our our staff do. I mean, our staff literally feel like they're you know part of the team within our within our clients, so they don't have that culture gap. So. Uh, preconceived notions that people have and understand why the Philippines is different in terms of language and so forth. Um, 
But then the other education is just everything that people have about what about time zones? What about competency? What about currency? What about security? What about all these things? So I just had to do a big education, you know, roadshow on it and just explain in my own journey of how I found JCL and I had all those same doubt, fears and concerns. And then I started working with her and investing in her growth and, and seeing her grow and develop and how it kind of evolved. So that's, that's the beginning of us. A lot of our growth was me just doing a massive amount of speaking, thought leadership. I have my own podcast called automatedelegate.com uh, where I kind of interview people on how they're you know, automating and delegating. Um, and so that kind of created a lot of ground mass. And then once clients came on board, I mean, once an entrepreneur finds that someone's figured this how outsourcing thing out, that it's quality and it's reliable and it's affordable, they want to tell other entrepreneurs. And so, you know, we had tons of referrals. And then the growth from our existing clients was a big part that I wasn't expecting. To be honest, Richard, we, 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 we would bring people on, you know, they'd start with one, maybe two VAs. And then once they saw the experience, and the quality they were getting from us, they're like, wow, you told me how great all this stuff was, but I honestly had a lot of doubts about it. Now I've got confidence in it. Yeah, I'll take a third, a fourth, a fifth. I mean, one of our largest clients has close to 80 to 90 staff with us now. So existing client growth was a big part that we weren't, you know, weren't expecting. But we're driving all this demand. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's a great cash because it's not always, not every business has that ability. And perhaps when you were started, you probably were imagining that you might get that extra lever. But it's fantastic, right? You get to expand within your client base as well as bring on new clients, which is obviously extremely uh, uh, fluid and uh, profitable, I'm sure. So, and I'm with one strategic thing I did for the for listeners, Richard. We have one pivot decision: is we were we were launching and growing. We we're about we were about eighty or ninety staff at the end of 2019, and I was about to sign on an office space in the Philippines. And I actually was meeting with my mastermind group I'm a part of. And I said, hey, is this COVID thing real? Should I not sign on this office space? We're going to have an issue. And I chose not to, thank goodness. And one of the biggest things to our scale as well is that we allow our staff, for the most part, to work virtually from home. We have, we have to make sure they have the proper technology and internet and so forth. But that was a huge critical decision that honestly, COVID was a, was a gift in a way that it forced us to be able to build a distributed workforce where everybody could work from home so we could build a culture and have a distributed virtual culture with a lot of companies that, that require people to come into offices were struggling massively over there. So that was a big critical decision for us. And then on the VA side, back to the point of purpose and impact, we're growing all this demand, but then we needed more virtual assistance to kind of supply it. And all of a sudden all this demand's coming. Um, but because of how we were treating our people and supporting our people, we have people bringing their friends and family to come work for us. I mean, we got some where we literally have nine or 10 family members that are all working for us that are cousins and, and so forth. Um, we even launched a magazine called Virtual Success Magazine where we would showcase our employees and do whole like full magazine write-ups on them and, and share those at local universities and so forth. But a lot of the purpose and impact stuff we were doing helped that process. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to introduce you to two transformative programs that we run. The first is Rivendell, my exclusive group of top CEOs who are committed to transforming themselves, their businesses, and the world. It's an incredible peer group and a deep coaching experience that will push you to new heights, no matter how successful you've already been. The second is Impact Accelerator, a coaching program for executives who are ready to make a big leap forward in their own leadership. It's regularly described as life-changing and no other program provides such personal strategic clarity, a measurable shift in stakeholder perceptions and a world-class leadership development environment. Find out about both of these programs at xquadrant.com slash services. Now back to the conversation. Brad, let me just interrupt there because I think it's, it's a really key point. Um, many clients I work with, speak to people I speak to, had this problem like oh, I just can't get enough 
applicants, right? You can't get enough good talent. And I suppose the question that's coming out from this is, well, how do you actually incentivize, create that word of mouth referral with your existing employees, right? They all know tons of people. Are you doing such a great job with your existing employee experience that they want to bring their friends and family? And I think for anyone listening, you know, there's the whole question of virtual assistants and using that, you know, and I, I use virtual, you know, have a virtual team, which is, which is great. But no matter what your employee base looks like, if you want to recruit great people, are your people really your best ambassadors? Or are they a bit disgruntled, a bit meh, you know, and that, perhaps that's the first place to fix rather than just trying to find an even better router. Yeah, no, no doubt. It's a... Uh... I mean, we are certainly not perfect, and I want to say we're not perfect by any means, as we were growing and growing so rapidly during COVID, and just you know, it was a it was definitely a, a challenging you know, challenging time, um, you know, just to to be able to support. But we, we tried to continue to do the right thing and support. I mean, the, you know, the Philippines being a big Catholic country as well, you know, Christmas is a massive thing there, um, uh, and you know, we are usually having a big Christmas party. It's always a big thing in the Philippines that you that they always look forward to, as, you know, as a company. Companies throw these big Christmas parties and you know, we couldn't um, because of COVID. But what we did was our team and our managers put together at that time, 20 or so, we were around 200 employees and put together 200 Christmas baskets. And then we rented vans and personally de delivered to all the homes directly of our employees. So it was trying to do those right things. And to your point, right? People see that they see that we're making an effort and we genuinely want to show that we, we care and appreciate what they're doing. Um, and, you know, word of mouth is going to come from that. One thing you said, uh, ahead of this recording is that your ambition is to live, I'll quote you, a disciplined life of creation, connection, and learning to help you and others realize their full potential. So th that seems a very specific phrase, right? Disciplined life of cre creation, connection, and learning. So kind of wondering you know, why those specific words, you know, how did that come about and, and how do you actually implement that in your daily existence? Sure. No, it was, uh, you know, I, I've always heard people, you know, always had their own personal mission statements and what have you. And I'd never had one um, for, you know, a number of years. I kind of just sort of do, doing doing what I do and, 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 you know, do the right things, the right leading indicators and, you know, the lagging things, to, you know, tend to happen. But I had an opportunity um, within a, an organization I'm a part of, EO Entrepreneurs Organization, where we have a forum we meet with every single month for four hours and discuss our, you know, five, eight other business owners all in different industries. Um, and we meet monthly and, and locally, um, but then we take retreats twice per year. And one of the treats we took, we took out to Aspen, Colorado, and there's a man named uh, Finian Kelly that has a program called the Intentionality Compass. And so we engaged him to support us in that retreat. And one of the things he has in the Intentionality Compass is a, is a whole kind of workbook where you answer a bunch of really challenging questions that he wanted all of us to do before we went to that retreat. And, uh, and I put a ton of time into it. I probably spent a couple hours every morning for several weeks and just answering hard questions about who you are what you care about, um, what would others say about you, just a lot of just thoughtful writing. And, um, and out of that whole effort was to come your own personal mission statement. I mean, literally, you know, write a list of 200 words that you, that, that when you reflect back on who you are and what others say about you and, um, what you feel that is meaningful for you. And, um, literally going through that whole journey ended up distilling it down to, you know, to that, to that phrase. And so to, to break it down, it's disciplined, and discipline to me, you know, a lot of people think of discipline as a, sometimes a, a negative word or, you know, this and, and but discipline is just, is just being committed and consistent. And, um, and so certainly fall short myself every time, but, but trying to live a disciplined, you know, life and whatever you're doing, whether it's your health, whether it's parenting, whether it's growing a business, 
being consistent and committed. Um, so discipline life of creation, connection, and learning. And I just realized, and during that, that that process, that reflective is I, I just I, I do love love creating tremendously. Um, you know, cr- you know, creating crummies, obviously, uh, creating content, creating ideas. I mean, I'm one of those that like, I can just sit in a room for ten hours with a bunch of books and just think with a blank piece of paper in front of me. Like, I just love using my brain and seeing where it goes and and what comes out of it. So, uh, I've had a history of just creating innovative, you know, things and enjoy doing that with, with, with others. Um, connection. I mean, I absolutely love connecting myself with other people and I love connecting other people together. Actually, another whole business I haven't talked about that I started with, with a partner during COVID is this, uh, this platform that for any member-based organization, it collides members together at scale. Um, because any member-based organization, the values of members knowing themselves and, you know, a lot of member-based organizations, people don't know one another, whether it's chambers of commerce or big mastermind groups, they know a fraction of people. And so this intentionally would introduce members at scale on every two weeks, monthly basis. And we found us doing it for, for the EO organization I'm a part of, and we've created made over 15,000 connections globally from New Zealand to Africa to Australia. So it's, it's a business that it's, it's in its infancy, but, um, but we're gonna be taking globally, um, called one-on-one connections. So I've, it's just an outcrop of what I naturally like doing. And then learning. I mean, it goes without saying. One of my favorite phrases from the movie uh, Shawshank Redemption is get busy living or get busy dying. And uh, if you're not, you're not learning, um, I don't like to, what the other side of that is. And it's not just learning you know, for learning's sake. It's constant growth. I mean, my wife and I are constantly doing content together on parenting, which is, whew, that is an interesting journey in today's, today's world. Growing my business, leadership. I even have a leadership learning corner I do. We have a company chat with all 500 employees and once or twice a week. I just do sharing. I have a, a series on my social media called Learning on the Run. When I go run, I run two to three miles every day and I listen to a podcast. And when I'm done, I take a few minutes and I share the top takeaways uh, called Learning on the Run. Um, I have Sunrise, Sunrise Reading. Um, it's a series I do. Whatever I'm reading and content, just take a few pictures of it, my key takeaways, and I post it on social. So it keeps me accountable and it just continues to bring new ideas. So discipline, life, creation, connection, learning to help myself and others realize our full potential. You know, and I was very intentional about that phrase. And, and, I, and I know a lot of people when they talk about being, having impact and purpose, it's always about putting everybody else, you know, first, right? And I know it can be contradictory, but at the end of the day, if you don't have yourself right and you're not dialed in, then, then you're not really good to anybody else, whether it's your children, whether it's your employees or, or otherwise. And so I know a lot of people that keep their bucket empty all the time trying to fill others, but it's a disservice and they're not ultimately realizing their full potential. So, you know, I go back to the old, uh, you get on the airplane and they tell you the, the rule whenever the oxygen falls, right? Put it on yourself and then put it on others beside you. So I, I've got to be on a path of realizing my full potential in me and being fulfilled because I know that's when I'm best for others because the other relationships in my life, when I know that they are not fulfilled, that they are, they're ultimately a disservice to those around us. So it's, it's a journey together. It's helping others and myself together realizing our, our full potential and it becomes a, a win-win. So Brad, thank you for that. It's great uh, explanation of, of a phrase you've obviously thought a lot about and I res- not, resonate a lot with it. I mean, my own similar phrase includes connect, <laughs> creation and connection in, in actually very similar. Here's my question for you. I'm going to slow you down a little bit in this moment just to really think about what's this, the answer to this question because I know when I speak with my CEO clients, they're always fast with their answer because they're spending their entire life responding to all these stakeholders. So I'll give you just the spaces to think about this question, which is, in a nutshell, it's going to be about what's holding you back from your full potential. Um, as you know, might know on the podcast, I'm always asking, like, how do you want to multiply the business or multiply your own impact? And I think we've talked a bit about that, getting to 40,000 employees and the impact that's going to make, you know, in the Philippines and also for the, from the client side as well. 
But I suppose my question would be, what might be the stretch for you as you transition from the leader of a company with 500 people, perhaps to 1,000 people, to becoming the leader of business that's many times bigger than that? What are the things that you might need to work on, change? What are things getting in your way from, from creating that, would you say? What's your own inner journey going to be, would you say, over the next few years? It's just mental, you know, mental ex expansion. Um, I'm actually in the middle of a book right now that, that is at the heart of that topic called 10X is Easier Than 2X, How World-Class Entrepreneurs Do More With Less. Um, and uh, and it's, it's, I mean, I know it's very cliche and people talk about m m mindset, but, but it truly is in, in, in how you go about your day-to-day -day behaviors in life. And in this book by Dan Sullivan, which a lot of people may be familiar with, the founder of Strategic Coach, but it's done in con in, in conjunction with a, a PhD, Benjamin Hardy, PhD, who's an organizational psychologist. So you have this like brilliant business you know, icon and this brilliant PhD psychologist doing these books together. And really the essence of the message is what is the 80%, right? It's back to the old Pareto rule, really auditing who you are. What's the twenty percent, right? <laughs> yeah, what's the twenty percent that creates eighty percent of your results, or even uh, it's more like what's the one percent that creates fifty percent of your results, even even more. It's a good book, yeah. And it's and it's like it's like a lot of topics. It's you know it's clear, and this is a struggle I think a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business owners they they get a lot of endorphin hits from con content consumption, right? And so it's a lot easier to consume the next podcast, the next book, the next piece of information to get those endorphin hits while they just leave a whole litany of things of unexecuted things behind them, right? Because it's, it's a lot easier to go to that next conference, go to that next podcast, go listen to that next speaker versus doing the hard work of like implementing what they've already got in, in, in front of them. And so, you know, a lot of people know about the 80-20 rule and yeah, I got to change the 80-20, but, but they don't take time to really you know, do it. And so I'm really trying to force myself and I even have a, a Google spreadsheet going and actually an app on my phone that's called the 80% I'm changing. And it's trying to really audit and say, okay, here at 43 years old, about to be 44, what is the 80% that, that, that has served me well up until this point, but you know, where I want to go next and what I want to accomplish from a business standpoint, from a, from a father standpoint, from a spouse standpoint, the example I want to set with my children alone, we talked about at the beginning before the podcast started is just how critical it is with young people um, to have an awareness about purpose and impact and, and humility. Um, so I'm really taking a list and I'm just looking at what are my daily behaviors? What are the things that I've, that I've done? Everything from my, my, my workout routine, allowing myself to skip sometimes, not being consistent of every single morning. I want to do 10 minutes of reading and 10 minutes of sitting on that, that well, you can't see it there, uh, upside down and do my breathing exercises um, that I just haven't done. But it's like, no, the 80% me allowed myself to skip on some of that stuff, right? The new, right, that the 20% I'm going to double down on are, are the things that are going to serve me well and leave those other things behind and the new mental frameworks. And it and it's hard as human beings. I mean, we we, we default to homeostasis and wanting to stay. So, I, you know, it's this isn't a new concept by any means, but the execution of it, I think a lot of people don't take time to do. They just want to read the next book. They read this book and it's like, yeah, it's a great concept. They move on. I'm trying to marinate in it and really audit myself and take extreme ownership of what are the things I need to to change and adjust? And what are some things that, that I want to keep um, that, that, that have served me well, but what are the things I need to change that have been my blockers kind of moving forward? So 
I'm in the middle of that journey right now. And actually there's three books and I, I would recommend to any entrepreneur, if I could go back to myself in my twenties, it is one of the best psychological foundations for any entrepreneur that the three books, the two, that the two of them did together, the gap in the gain, who, not how, and 10 X is easier than two X. Um, those three are going to be three that I'm just, I'm listening to them in rotation on my runs every morning. I, as I get through, I go back through it and I'm just, I'm keeping it pounding in my head and thinking through that framework. Cause all three of those are super powerful, especially the who, not how, as you get older, like it's not about the how it's who the who's the relationship equity that I've built in my life over the last 43 years. I've got, I'm within one message of a who that can pretty much get anything done in any direction. I just have the discipline to need to focus, you know, to focus on it. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those things. Yeah. I actually read a quite in-depth review on that, the, the, that book of the 8020, um, the 10 X is even two X book because it just speaks so much. It's the impact multiplier podcast multiplication. It's, it's at the heart of, of what I'm, you know, what I'm about and what X quadrant is about. Uh, it's the X and the X quadrant it actually stands for multiplication, right? Um, uh, amongst other things. What about the execution side? I'm curious, Richard, to, to flip it back to you, since you've done such a deep resonation on that is it is, and this is the thing I, I, you know, even an organization I'm a part of like EO and we have tons of speakers and tons of content and so forth. It's just the ongoing consumption, right? And honestly feel like it ends up being, you've got a lot of entrepreneurs that just, they, 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 they don't get on the execution train. They, they continue on the consumption train of things. So in your, re your review of it, what have you observed? And even with your clients that you work with as well, that, that that's been that trigger point that actually causes those that actually execute and do it versus just consuming the content, moving on to the next piece. There's always an identity shift that has to happen if you're going to radically shift the way that we operate. I see it all the time with my clients, right? Uh, and that's why, to some degree, actually, I think it's okay for a while to be reading books, to be listening to podcasts, if it's basically marinating you, immersing you in a different world, just as you do on your runs, listen to those books, whatever, on, on repeat. And I think there is, that's why, again, one of the things I think is quite unique about Rivendell, my own CEO community, is because everybody there has committed to that 10x journey almost before they arrive, right? So that's a world, again, where you're there. You know, not every entrepreneur in the world wants to play that game, needs to play that game. Not every entrepreneur wants to multiply their impact in different correct directions financially, but also socially and, you know, uh, relationally and, and everything else. So I think part of it is getting yourself in an environment both the content you consume and the people that you're with. Uh, and then the deeper work is like, actually, we've got to look at what, you know, how do we see ourselves? What's the fear? What's the payoff we've been looking for all our life? So for example, many, in many ways, we're high achievers. We get the buzz of ticking things off, hitting the numbers, you know, getting a better result this quarter than we got last quarter. All those are good things. But when they become the drivers, suddenly, okay, am I prepared to actually go beyond that, even possibly failing in the short term, not hitting my numbers because I'm on a bigger mission? I do it repeatedly in my business. It's damn scary, right? So I could stay here and have this impact and everyone be like, oh, that's really impressive, Richard, already. You know, why would you want to do any more? But I'm like, yeah, but I want to change the world. And so I want to work with the leaders who are changing the world. And so even more, right? And and therefore reinventing myself and doing that, I have to leave behind revenue streams that are profitable, uh, ways of enrolling clients that worked at one level, but might not be the thing if I'm going to serve at my highest. So I think pursuing contribution is really important and getting really clear. I think there's always the comfort zone and there is the greatness zone, I call it, right? 
And the point is, we only get to the greatness zone, actually, first of all, if we really get clear about who are we trying to impact? Because if it's just about ourselves, at some point, we run out of, that, we run out of, of fuel on that journey, if you ask me. No, I think it's that reflection. And I think, um, and I think that the essence of really making it happen, you know, as you shared at the beginning of that, is I think you have to do it with other people. I think even even the most driven, motivated, disciplined individuals, which I consider myself to to, to be one, you know, pretty disciplined, um, can certainly, without having accountability, without having others you're doing it with to hold each other accountable, you know, can be distracted in a you know zillion different ways. I mean, attention is the number one uh, you know valuable thing these days that can be distracted. So, like what you're doing with your Rivendell community, which is is fantastic, and like what I'm doing with EO and others a part of is, I think that's the main message is. You can talk about what all needs to happen, but unless you're doing it with someone else and have an accountability partner, you know, it's, it's likely to not, not happen. Yeah, absolutely. So Brad, it's been a great conversation. Let me ask you, if people want to get in touch with you or you find out more about, about your business, you know, where do they go to do that? Sure. Um, lots of channels where we exist out there. Um, we actually create a, uh, for new podcasts and all the speaking and stuff that I do, we actually created an, an email address just called tools at outsourceaccess.com. So if people just send an email, you don't have to write a message or anything, just write an email to tools at outsourceaccess.com and just put a multiplier and the subject line, kind of know where, where we came from and we'll send you um, just a whole bunch of resources on, on the whole world of how does outsourcing work? I mean, the biggest thing is a lot of people know that it exists. We're beyond top of funnel. The next question is just how does this actually work? And so I can send you, you send an email to that, we'll send you a link to a bunch of um, resources, a recorded webinar where I'd go through about 30 different case studies, you know, a template of how to get started, um, actually a whole mini curriculum I created based on Jim Collins, any Jim Collins fans that are out there. So just a, a bunch of resources we can, we can send your way. But aside from that, just go to outsourceaccess.com. You can, uh, if you find me on, on Facebook or LinkedIn, I'm posting constantly on, on content under Brad, Brad Stevens. Um, I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes as well. Uh, and then automatedelegate.com. If you want to check out a podcast, you know, very, very tactical focused. And I interview guests on exactly, give me three ways you're automating and delegating in your life and exactly how you're doing it and which tools you're using. Um, love to, to spread the word on that as well. Brad, that's perfect. Uh, really enjoyed our conversation today. I think we've, there's been a lot of things which we've looked at, you know, from your early days, uh, selling your toy, you're renting out your toys uh, in fourth grade, you know, all the way through to this aha moment of seeing the impact of outsourcing, you know, with a one life in the Philippines and then building out from there with the United Nations goals, with very own intentionality. And then this last part here where we've been talking about, well, what's it like to live that 10x journey? That whole idea of when you're on that exponential curve, behind you looks flat and ahead of you looks vertical. And so it really requires some very different ways of thinking and, and operating and leading. And thank you for being honest that, you know, you're on that journey as well, right? You, there's expansion uh, and a shedding of our old self that we, we have to do at any stage along that process and that you, you know, you're on that journey along with the rest of us. So appreciate your time and look forward to um, following along as the journey evolves for you. Well, thanks so much. And thanks for, for making the effort to do this subject matter for your, for your podcast. And I know a, a lot of fellow uh, entrepreneurs and CEOs, I'd love to, uh, to send your way to have the same experience. I appreciate the work that you're doing and continue to spread the word. Thanks, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that's a wrap. If you received value from this conversation, please do leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. We'd deeply appreciate it. And if you'd like to check out the show notes from this episode, head to xquadrant.com slash podcast, where you'll find all the details. Now, finally, when you're in top leadership, who supports and challenges you at a deep level to help you multiply your impact? Discover more about the different ways we can support you at xquadrant.com.